Welcome to Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League, presented by ChangeUp. I'm Owen Shatterick, and joining me as always is my co-host, Johnny Maffey. Johnny, FCBL opening week is officially over. We are into week two of the season, and it was an incredible week of baseball. Yeah, some of these games are nothing short of electric, Owen. And thanks to everyone for watching and listening, as always. I've been at this with you for about a month now, so I appreciate everyone who's uh, tuning into these each each week or each couple times a week. Yeah, we're getting deeper and deeper into season three. And for this episode, we have Mike Gervasi. But before we interview, we want to talk about some incredible baseball games that we saw this week. Myself, personally, I was in Nashua to watch the Silver Knights and the Sea Unicorns battle it out. 1-1 headed to extra innings. Matt Malcolm hits a two-run double. And then Nashua ties it thanks to Nick Perkins and wins it thanks to UMass's own Kevin Skagerland. Really good week for UMass Pride. I'm really excited about that. Oh, we know you are. Uh, don't forget, everyone go to our Instagram and Twitter to check out those videos. They were awesome. And as we're getting in the swing of things, Brockton, New Britain, and Pittsfield, which we got Mike on today, are atop the standings. Yeah, Mike Gervasi, a really good interview, and it was really cool to hear his perspective, especially being recruited. We asked him about his recruitment journey, and it was quite the journey indeed. And I know, Johnny, you've been recruited as well to various schools, and it's just it's cool to hear about that firsthand. Yeah, I'm so prestigious. Yeah, Johnny, the most prestigious one on this uh, on this podcast for sure. But in the meantime, we don't want to hold you up any further, so we're going to present our interview with Mike Gervasi. Let's roll. At this time, we are honored to be joined by our next guest, who is a member of the 2021 Pittsfield Suns and has had a red-hot start out of the gate. It's Michael Gervasi. Mike, how are you doing today? Good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're really excited for this episode, and we're going to get right into it. What has it been like your first week in the FCBL and what has it been like to play for the Suns so far? It's been surreal. I've had a great time. Got acquainted in Pittsfield about a week ago, and it's an awesome atmosphere um, at Wakona Park. I mean, the fans are second to none. Old stadium. It's a pretty cool um, pretty cool scene all around. I've, I've had a great time first week. And so tell us how you ended up on the Suns. Was it last fall? Was it recent? Uh, what was the process like getting in touch with Coach Gedman and, uh, and the Suns? Yeah, so actually um, pretty crazy process getting there. I... Uh, only about a month ago, I actually wasn't supposed to be in the Futures League. I was supposed to be in the Perfect Game League in uh, Adirondack. But then I got an email from the uh, the general manager or the owner saying that because of COVID, a lot of the host families that they typically relied on uh, dropped out. So I was pretty much scrambling for a team these past three to four weeks here. And then um, like coach of UMass, uh, Coach Reynolds uh, gave me a call and said that there was a, a spot open on Pittsfield. So pretty much took that right away and uh, was pumped about it. Yeah, that's awesome. And we're really excited to have you, obviously, is and we talked about it. You had a red hot start out of the gate. You were in player of the night on your first night in the league, going three for five, two doubles and four RBIs. What's it been like having such a hot start to the season? You are hitting 364. And how did you feel coming out of opening day? It was great. Um, it was good to have the first uh the first game of the season being Brockton because I'm I'm sort of right down the street in Brockton Mass. And I uh, had a lot of family and friends come out. So I was happy to perform for them that night because I, I don't think they're going to be able to make a lot of games on, on Pittsfield this year. So, um, yeah, it was good to get some foot in the Futures League. And, um, yeah, it was a good night. Yeah, I felt bad stealing you from him for that interview post game, But uh, yeah, later that week, you you uh, in the home opener at Wakona Park, you were the home run derby hero for the Suns. Uh, what's it like and what's the Mike Gervasi take on the home run derby to win it? Yeah, that was uh, that was awesome. I was pretty fired up when Coach Gedman uh, gave me the nod to do it. It was definitely still, I, I was excited, but it was definitely a little nerve wracking. I'm not 
used to uh, taking those type of swings in a bad practice setting and usually just, you know, trying to work the ball, the, you know, up the middle, other way, just get my swing for a game like approach. So it was definitely a little bit of an adjustment. I got a little too close there. I think I got to like the eighth out of that till uh, I could finally pull the trigger, but it was probably one of the best baseball moments I've had in my life. It was, it was really cool at that, uh, at that Wakona Park setting. You think the MLB should move to the home run derby and extras or no? Yeah, I, I, I think they should. I think any, any sort of like hybrid where you have like, you know, maybe one extra inning, two extra innings and then go to it. I think it would just keep the game more, uh, more fun to watch. And, you know, people have to get home at some point now. So I think it's a pretty cool way to attend it. Yeah. You're right about the people have to get home at some point. That, that's yeah. what we do here in the futures league. We, we like to send yeah. people home early. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, for sure. And you touched on him a little earlier, your manager, Matt Gedman, a former guest on this podcast and very popular around the league circles. What have you learned from him so far? Yeah, he, he's, he's a great coach. He's a, he's not a UMass guy. You know, we've swapped stories back and forth. Yeah, he, he's just done a good job of, uh, you know, keeping everyone loose. And, you know, it's it's pretty, he's kept a good atmosphere in Pittsfield. He lets us do our thing, but make sure, you know, everyone does their job. And he's, he's done a good job with that. So obviously back to Wakona Park, it's not new at all. It's not new to the Futures League no. either, but it's new to you. It's new to some of our listeners and it's new to me. So tell us about Wakona Park and why it's so unique. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you get there and the first thing that stood out to me is you got cigarette ads out in right center field, you know, sticking out. Um, so, I mean, right, right off the bat, you could tell it's this historic park. I mean, that's not really something you see uh, nowadays at, at baseball fields. And then, you know, the, the old sun delay is, um, you know, that's fun. Uh, that was my first time as a hitter or catcher experience and something like that. And there's, there's definitely a little bit of strategy that goes into it, you know, if you're on the defensive side of things, because if I'm catching... You know, I'm having trouble seeing the ball. I know for a fact the hitter can't really see. So when you're on D, you're sort of trying to make that center last as long as possible before uh, having to call it. But it's a pretty cool experience, and uh, I, I love playing there. I'm excited to put, play, uh, play the summer there. We got to go further into that. So as a catcher, what is it like just like having the sun beam in your eyes and then all of a sudden they're calling the game and it's not rain, it's not weather, it's – well, it is technically weather, it's the sun. Like yeah. what was that like just having that first one called? Yeah, it, it was pretty crazy. There was, there was actually like, there's a lot of pressure on the catcher for either team for that because the, I mean, I don't think it's a mandatory rule, but like the umpires were encouraged, like, hey, like catcher, you have to, you have to make the call before the inning starts unless we're, we're playing out the inning. That's what he said to me. And you sort of have to make your call on warmups with what you want to do there. So luckily uh, Isaiah was pitching that night and he was having a dominant night on the mound and he was keeping everything low, which helped. He wasn't leaving anything high. So I was being able to um, see everything just fine. So I had confidence in him for that inning and I gave it the okay, but the hitter was pretty much protesting to, to, to even taking the at-bat that inning, which I don't blame him. I mean, it was, it was awful. So yeah, I think it was like a 10 to 15 minute delay. It was just different. And then they had the Kenny Chesney, uh, I don't know, I don't know who it was, but some song about the sun going down or something like that. And uh, it was cool. It was funny. Probably Kenny. Yeah. So what's it like having fans back in the stands? Cause obviously got to entertain them during the sun delay with Kenny, but what's yeah. it in general around the league with fans getting back to normal. Yeah, it's awesome. And you mass, we were, we were limited with the amount of fans and just base baseball around. I feel like doesn't, especially during college season, you don't get um, as many fans as people would think no matter what the level. So Wakona park, I mean, that's the most amount of fans I've played in, I think since high school and state title game. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty surreal having that many fans. I think it was like 760, something like that. And uh, just makes the game that much more fun, you know, and you got, you got the people in the beer garden, you know, chirping guys and the other team and stuff. I mean, I love it. I'm all for it. So pretty cool experience. 
yeah, we're getting closer and closer to some kind of normal and it's just great every single day when more and more people can be packed into the stands for sure. Before we get back to our interview with Mike Gervasi, we want to share a message from our friends at 78 sports. Do you have kids playing baseball or softball? We all know practice time is limited, especially here in new England, not to mention the cost of lessons and cage time can add up very quickly. Save yourself time and money by giving your kids what they need to work on their game at home. Our friends at 78 Sports can help you put together the perfect at-home training setup. Whether you want to start small with just a tee and hitting net or looking to set up a full cage with turf and a pitching machine, they have you covered. The team at 78 Sports has designed and installed hundreds of home and commercial sports training facilities, so let them help you plan the perfect setup for your space. Visit 78 Sports' website at 78sports.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, number eight, sports.com. For a limited time, by mentioning Back to the Futures, you'll receive a 10% discount off your order. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, number eight, sports.com. Now, back to Mike Gervasi. And you touched on UMass. We're going to transition now to talking about your teammates who are also having pretty good starts to the season. Kevin Dow and Max LeBlanc are your college teammates, and they were very good this past league. So what's going to be your approach going against them and facing other UMass players around the league? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm, I'm not going to change the approach too much. I'm not going to, you know, have them get in my heads about because they know, you know, my strengths, strengths, my weaknesses, and they're both great pitchers. We go with the, the same approach. I, I sit fastball, react, react to the off speed and um, see what happens. I'm not going to let them uh, get in my head over anything like that. But it's, it's going to be all good fun. And I'm, uh, I'm excited to play those guys, hopefully, at least a couple times this summer. So when you face them, are you giving them the scouting report on the Suns or are you giving the Suns a scouting report on them? Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely going to give the, the scouting report on them and, you know, what they're throwing and stuff. Um, and I, I bet when I'm playing when I'm playing them and even if they're not throwing, I bet they're, you know, giving the pitcher a couple, couple scouting reports about me here and there. But it's all good. I, I, I love that there's, you know, some UMass guys in the league to play against. Yeah, it's all in good fun at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. And you talk about UMass guys. There are also a lot of former Futures Leaguers that are spread across the UMass roster, whether it's Eddie Hart, Michael Rounds, or Jack Pulaski. So have those guys taught you anything about the league? And what have they taught you about baseball in general that's helped you kind of grow your game? Yeah, I mean, um, I didn't really, like I said, I didn't get the nod to join the Futures until a couple of weeks ago. So I really didn't reach out to them about it. I've just heard nothing but good things about the league. I knew it was a well-respected league and I was excited to play in it. But um, Eddie Hart was, I mean, great captain in UMass. I mean, I wouldn't want anyone else to captain me my first three years there. He's a great guy. He's just all about, you know, competing every at bat, competing every pitch, every play. He's a guy, senior day, we're down by a good amount of runs. And you, you could just tell he's he's locked into that last out of his career. He, he was a great guy to play on. And I was, uh, I was really happy to be a part of his uh, career for some time there. So you got basically as many bats as anyone on that Minuteman baseball team. Um, after seeing the field, you know, not at all in 2020, because I think you guys played nine games. Yeah, uh, you hit right around 250 this year, 10 doubles, a few bombs, 27 RBIs. How do you feel from that first official transition from high school to college? Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's pretty big. You know, it's de- it's definitely a shock. I mean, no matter um, how good you are in high school or polished or whatever, I mean, the jump from high school to Division One baseball or any, any form of collegiate baseball, it's it's a jump for sure. And you know, the, the fall ball and all that stuff really helps you, you know, sort of get your feet wet and um, get get into that, that setting. You know, you have to, you know, my, I had a pretty long swing in high school and, you know, they changed that up right when you get there. I mean, if you want to have success and you have a short swing, simple approach. Yeah. I mean, even, even after fall ball and stuff, I mean, you get used to seeing some of the same arms every day. So really getting that first 
collegiate baseball game in and then just, you know, getting those at bats where it's a good experience to have. And I hope to build off of it going to, uh, to next year. Yeah. And obviously COVID took a lot of things away from you this year. And of course, last year. So is there anything you would have done differently this year with your time at UMass? We didn't have a fall this year at UMass because of the pandemic, which really killed us not to make excuses or anything, but, and then even when we got back though, I think there was a little like COVID stint for like a week or two there where we couldn't really practice as a team. And then, uh, the, I think it was like the second to last week of the season, we had sort of a COVID outbreak on our team. So we really just never got, really just never got going in a sense. I mean, other than like the, the middle of the season, but, um, yeah, COVID really messed some of that stuff up. So I'm, I'm really just looking forward to this next year and just going back to, you know, what I went to my freshman year, you know, just having fall ball and having the guys get to know each other and, you know, getting to know what UMass baseball really is not during the pandemic. Yeah. It'll be a lot different and a lot better. It, it seems like everywhere. So yeah. is there something you can take, whether it's something you learned from Eddie Hart or one of your coaches that you think you'll use for the rest of your career uh, so far at school? Yeah. Coach rounds. It says, don't take off any pitch, any at bat. And I, 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 it might sound a little cliche or whatever, but it's so true. I mean, you could, you can go, you know, over three with three strikeouts in the day. You could be, you know, three for three, doing red hot, whatever, but every, every pitch is important. And if you just take off that one pitch, it can change how the game goes. It can ch- change how your day goes. So that's something I really take into account, no matter how up or how down I am, every bat's different. Every pitch is different. It's, I think that's very important. It's definitely uh, helped me find more success on the field. So you attended Archbishop Williams high school in Braintree. We'll get to that in a minute, but at some point, obviously you were recruited to UMass so what was your process in terms of being recruited? Obviously, people have similarities and differences across all of it. So what was your process like? What other schools talked to you? When did they start talking to you? Did you have any coaches reaching out left and right? And how did you ultimately decide on UMass? Yeah, I wasn't, um, my recruiting journey is pretty crazy. Um, I, I wasn't one of those kids that was having offers coming in left and right um, from any level, honestly. I mean, debatably, the biggest summer when it comes to recruiting is uh, the summer probably going into your senior year. So after your junior year. And I had a partially torn UCL, so I didn't have to end up getting Tommy John, but couldn't throw, couldn't catch that whole summer. So I was pretty much just getting swings, which definitely, I think, stunted like my recruiting journey a little bit. And most Division One schools and their, they pretty much stop recruiting, like their classes are pretty much filled by, I'd probably say around like mid to late September at the senior year at that point. So uh, I didn't get back till like mid to late October for my injury. So at that point, I was pretty much just reaching out to as many D2 Division three schools as I can. And even uh, at that time, a lot, a lot of stuff wasn't sticking. I only had a handful of D2, D3 offers at that time. And luckily, I think it was mid to late December, I played at Boston Prospects in Duxbury for um, club baseball. And the former UMass Amherst coach, Mike Stone, was our catching guy. And um, he just like saw some improvements and stuff I made and asked me if I had any interest in UMass. And I said, you know, obviously, yes, yeah, I'd love to look into that. He sent over some videos and uh, I sent over some recruiting tapes and stuff to uh, the UMass coaches and they come, came in contact with me. And luckily they took a shot at me and it's changed my life and it's it's been awesome up there. So yeah, I committed there and I think mid January of my senior year. So pretty, you know, I feel you don't hear about that a lot when it comes to the D1 schools. That was pretty cool. And I'm really thankful that they, gave me a shot. Yeah. You, you always hear, and you know, I went, I went through this too. Mid September, every, everything kind of gets shut down, whether it's at even, even D three schools shut stuff down, then it's, it's crazy. So what were you, did you still have D one on your mind? Did you still have anything on your mind? Was UMass even in the picture? Like when you're fighting and battling and getting those reps in in October and November before 
Yeah, I mean, um, looking back at it, it's pretty sad because all my life, just being a D1 baseball player is a dream. And I think um, without me even knowing, I, I think I sort of just got, that wasn't in my mind anymore. I think by September, October, I pretty much just, I really didn't have D1 on my mind or anything like that. I was just, just trying to get to a good, you know, D2, D2, D3 baseball school and do whatever I could from there. And I, I mean, I was, I, and I still am, I was very raw kid in high school. So I I'm definitely was a little bit of a project. So I wasn't, I wasn't really standing out to a lot of D1s in high school, but luckily UMass took the chance on me and I really appreciate them for, uh, for doing that. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a great story. I'm glad we got that. We got that piece. Yeah. So it sounds like we also can't tell the Mike Gervasi story without the 2018 Mass D4 State Championship. You went to Archbishop Williams High School in yep. Braintree. You guys were led by head coach Jim Dolan. There were a ton of great baseball guys on that team. I've played with a few. There are a few in the league. There are a few, you know, obviously littered throughout New England playing college baseball still. How satisfying was that? Was your success that spring? That was a dream come true. It really was. Year before my sophomore year, I wasn't really catching. I was just mainly playing right field. Made it to the state championship game and we lost. We lost five to three to St. Mary out of I think it was like Worcester or Westfield. And I'll, I, that moment, I'll, I'll never forget how disappointing that was. I mean, it was a pretty sad moment. I mean, we had we had a great team that year. We were destined to do big things, and uh, we just came up short. So, pretty much from that moment till junior year, first day of baseball came, I was just grinding. Ring, it was ring or bust at that point. We had the expectation. We had the talent coming back. That was that was a pretty crazy game too, the one that we won. And it was a very satisfying feeling getting that for the school and getting that for my teammates. All right, so I didn't know you played right field at French's Common. Can you paint a picture for the fans <laughs> that don't live on the South Shore and know what that's like? Yeah, French's Common, it's, it's, it's actually, I feel like it gets knocked on for, you know, obviously there's a town hall about 220 feet, or that could be off, but it's, it's in the 200s in the right field. It's short, but the, the field itself is actually nice. It's just an, it's an, Oh yeah. Path. It's very nice. It's just it's the town nice, hall nice and right. It's, yeah. It's just uh, the surroundings of it are pretty crazy. So yeah, right field, there's a town hall. It's about 220, 240 out there. And it's like wiffle ball rules with, you know, how they have to play it. Hits, hits the uh, hall. You know, you play like a wall. It goes on top of the roof and rolls off. It's a double rolls over the roof. It's a triple. And then if you hit it over, it's a home run. Yeah, so that that was pretty crazy. Just like I never played outfield before, and my first lick of getting outfield was at French's Common. So that was um, that was definitely a learning experience, um, but it, it was it was fun. And then in right center field, you got just really high trees before the fence that I think are uh, fences to neighbors' backyards. So I mean, I've I've seen kids left and right get robbed of balls that have gone to the tree that should have gone out, and they end up being doubles. And you know, you got fan, the away fans, you know, like what the hell is this? You know, think it's a joke, but. I went trade it in. Um, you know, that's that was Archie's baseball, and uh, it was great. Yeah, I, the, no matter how difficult it is, that's still a good story to tell in a couple of years. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. Before we get back to our interview with Mike Gervasi, we want to share a message from our friends at On Demand Storage. Are you tired of living in clutter? Do you need more space around your home or office? Are you sick of visiting your self storage unit? Does your business need a way to securely and conveniently store excess materials? On-demand storage will pick up your items directly from your location and bring them in storage for you. When you want something back, give us a call and we can deliver it back right away. We bring convenience to the outdated self-storage process. Visit ondemandstorage.com and submit an inquiry. During sign-up, mention the Futures League and receive 50% off your storage pickup. Once again, that's ondemandstorage, all one word, dot com. We now return to our interview with Mike Gervasi. And before we get to our final segment, obviously, 
I'm a UMass kid too. I've made that very clear on this podcast, but we can't yeah. talk about UMass and not talk about what the hockey team just did this year. They were absolutely dominant in the tournament and won the national championship. What was it like to be part of that at UMass watching what this team did? It was unbelievable. I, I'm, I'm pumped for those guys. I know UMass hockey, I don't know, maybe like four or five years back, whatever it was, you know, it wasn't even close to what it is now. And I was really happy just to see them bring it home. I know they, they made it obviously not last year with COVID, but the year before that they, they made it and, and, you know, they came up short as well, but it was, it was great to see all their hard work and all that paying off. And I'm just happy to be able to say go to UMass and, you know, uh, have a national championship uh, hockey team's belt. Pretty cool experience. We were actually away when they won it. So we were hoping when we were coming home from our game, they, they didn't think we were the hockey boss freaking out, <laughs> you know, but yeah, campus was going crazy. Yeah. It was uh, pretty cool to see that happen for them. Yeah. It was incredible. And something that we'll both never forget. I'm sure. Yeah. And one more, one more UMass question. I got to fit this in. Yeah. What do you miss most about fully open life at UMass pre-COVID? Yeah, as thankful as I was to have a spring season and just to be able to be in the Amherst area, and it's just totally different. I, I just like, you know, walking to, walking to class, just being on campus, going to the dining halls and just, you know, stuff my face with food, which number one dining, putting that in there. But uh, dining, baby. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I just miss that. And, you know, it's like the camaraderie of just like, a lot of time, like after practice, you got 75% of the team just in the dining halls eating and, you know, just talking to each other. So, yeah, I definitely miss that. I'm looking forward to that. Come back to be a norm. Come next fall, hopefully. Yeah, that's great that you get to go back to that, of course, with UMass opening up pretty much fully. So that's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And before we get to our final segment, how about a message to Suns fans? Thank you for being great thus far. Um, I think I think Wakona Park opens up the, I want to say, I don't know, more than 25% capacity, I think now with the uh, mass band being lifted. So yeah, keep coming out. Your support definitely helps us and go Suns. Yeah, go Suns indeed. Yeah. And we now move on to our final segment. It's called Quick Hits. It's presented by Zephyr, the official on-field hat of the Futures League. Zephyr, high quality and innovative design since 1993. So Mike, we got a couple more questions to have our audience get to know you better. Is that cool? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Favorite baseball teammate overall or one from the Suns if you've found a particular one so far? Favorite baseball teammate. Oh, that's a, that's a tough one. I probably go with Ryan Coleman, uh, center fielder for us at UMass. I mean, Ryan, just a guy he's in center field. He brings a lot of energy and, and you can hear him after every, every single pitch. So great guy, great friend that I've had at UMass thus far. There you go. Nothing better than, than your teammate from UMass. And then how about a favorite ballpark you've played in and one you've attended as a fan? Holy Cross's field, just a little bias because one state championship there. So yeah, fit and field. Yeah. Fit and field. Uh, Staple of the Futures League, of course, and you'll get to play there when uh, when the Worcester Bravehearts are hosting you guys. So that's awesome. How about a sports stadium or sporting event that's on your bucket list? Oh, uh, I want to go to Wrigley Field. That's a, that's a field I really want to catch a game to. I don't know when I'll get out there, but yeah, that's a field I want to go catch a game at. Yeah, I'm with you there. That is definitely one of my bucket list items as well. And then how about favorite big league team and big league player, whether it's current or historical? Red Sox and uh, Mike Trout. And I, obviously everyone likes Mike Trout, but I just, I just love the way the guy plays the game. And one more kind of follow-up to that. Is there any player specifically in the major leagues that you model your game after behind the plate? Yeah. I mean, I, I watch a bunch of different guys, but um, I, I like watching like Molina, Yari Molina, like um, from a catching standpoint, at least. And um, from hitting wise, I, I like to look at like JD Martinez, guys like that. Yeah, you kind of mentioned the J.D. Martinez thing earlier where you, you weren't used to the home run derby because he doesn't even hit on the field, right? Yeah, I, I don't. I, I didn't know that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's just trying to hit line drives and they happen to go 500 yeah. feet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. What about your walk-up music this year? I did, uh, it's called Oh Boy by uh, Cameron. That, that was my, my walk-up song for, uh, for the Suns, at least. 
Does it get the crowd going? Well, funny story behind that. So I don't know what happened to the sheet of paper that the walk-up songs came on to, to the announcer, but he must have not got them. And I got the most absurd songs being played when I was going up the bat. Uh, I don't know what, I think it's called milkshake where it's like, Oh, my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard is playing when I'm going up to bat. I'm like, what the, I'm like, what's this? The catchers, you know, he's like, he's like, this is, you know, give me crap. I'm like, this is not my walk-up song, you know, but uh, no, that was funny. So hopefully they get the right one at some point. That's funny. Are you superstitious? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Yeah. Especially my, my batting gloves. Bat, batting gloves is a big superstition for me. I won't get a new pair of batting gloves unless I'm until I uh, start slumping or something. That makes sense. You got to keep them if they're working. Yeah. What about a favorite ballpark food when you're a fan at a game? Oh, uh, probably a sausage, pepper, and onion uh, sandwich for sure. I think that's definitely the most common answer this year. And are really? you a, uh, yeah, definitely. Are you a bubblegum guy or a sunflower seeds guy? Seeds. I'm not a big gum guy. Love my seeds. Dill pickle. Yes, sir. Yep. <laughs> yep. And uh, what about a favorite all-time baseball memory? um favorite all-time baseball memory winning the state championship at Archie's I mean that that that's uh I mean I, I don't think anything will beat that pretty much um unless we uh unless we go into championship at UMass because that was uh that was a very cool experience yeah again the high school championship is going to live right there in, in your memory for a long time yeah, so that's sure. awesome yep well Mike that's all we have for you today thank you so much for joining us best of luck with everything and we can't wait to see you and the Suns at Wakona Park all season long Awesome. Thanks, guys, for having me. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. And this has been Episode 9 of Season 3 of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League. We have new episodes coming out every Monday and Thursday. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon.